reading today is from Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 to 28. This passage occurs in a series of woes that uh, Jesus declared to the religious leaders because they appeared to be righteous when they weren't. Verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mill, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important things of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practised the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of a cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to be appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Well, good morning. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the ministers here. In my family, when I was growing up, um, we had this habit of if you behaved a certain way, you'd get labelled after some member of the family who also behaved in that way. So growing up, mum would always uh, be calling me an Uncle Frank because she had an uncle when she was growing up who'd spend about six months of the year on their family farm uh, wasting time, fishing, kind of pottering around, always losing things, basically daydreaming his life away. In my family, his name even became a verb. So mum would fairly frequently say to me as a kid, stop Uncle Franking around. I thought that was sort of a normal expression until at school it didn't quite have the same, didn't quite work the same way. Now being an Uncle Frank was one thing, but in my family being an Uncle Kevin was a completely different matter. That was an insult in my family because it basically meant that you were a hypocrite. Uncle Kevin would show up unannounced every few, few years on his motorbike. Usually the, bo- the bike had um, broken down at the same time. And so he'd ha- end up hanging around for a few months until mum finally kicked him out of the house because it was like having another teenager around. And he'd say things like, don't smoke, and then he'd smoke. He'd say to us kids, don't swear, and then he'd swear. He couldn't hold down a job. Every relationship seemed to end in a disaster. He treated women pretty ordinarily, but that didn't seem to stop him from bossing us kids around and telling us how to live our lives. One time when he visited, my sister was going through a bit of a rough patch in life and she was sitting with friends in a circle smoking marijuana and Uncle Kevin came along and he said, you shouldn't be doing that, it's wrong. But then a few minutes later, I'm sure you can guess what happened. He took a seat and joined them. And probably the whole reason my sister came out of that rough patch was because after a fight one night with my mum, she'd locked herself in her room and Uncle Kevin was standing on the other side of the door saying, you're just like me, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody in my family wanted to be called an Uncle Kevin, especially not by Uncle Kevin himself. 
That was the worst possible insult that you could possibly give. From the time that we're kids, we're pretty good at detecting hypocrisy. My kids can't even really say the word, yet when they call someone a hypocrite, they know exactly what they mean by that. We're pretty good at detecting hypocrisy. And when we detect it, we hate it. And so it's pretty disappointing that one of the biggest problems that people have with Christianity is that they detect hypocrisy. Now, as you probably know, we as a church wanted to know what people really think about Christianity. So we asked our friends what they think is the problem with Christianity. And here's a sample, you can see them up on the screen, of some of the answers that people gave. So someone said the problem is the hypocrisy of Christians. Another person said, Christians say they believe in God, but that's not evident in their lives. They do not love and interact with each other well. Or some other responses, I just want to live a good life. Why are other people doing evil things when they are in the church? And then, just plain and simple, Christians are hypocrites. And we've summarized this kind of response by saying that the problem with Christianity is Christians. And today, I'm going to try and give a a response to this. And the first thing that I need to say in response is that this is all too true. The problem is Christians. And I can't really apologize for all Christians, but on my own behalf and on behalf of any Christian that I represent, I want to say sorry. Sorry for the times that we've acted hypocritically. From the big, public, obvious kind of mistakes to the little personal letdowns. Christians have done some horrible things in the past and sadly, I'm sure that we'll do them again in the future. Now, I'm not brushing this aside. It's inexcusable and it's tragic. And it's right that we should hate hypocrisy. But no matter how much we hate hypocrisy, we'll never hate it as much as Jesus hates it. Just before in the, in the Bible reading that Peter read for us, we heard Jesus getting stuck into the religious people of his day. Jesus rages against hypocrisy. And we just read a small part of it. Have a look again up on the screen to what he says. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. They're the super religious ones, actually. Pharisee sort of has a bad name now in in our culture, but they're actually the, the, the good religious, the good appearing religious ones. And listen to what Jesus says. You hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus isn't really making any friends here, is he? These are fighting words. Does this fit with your view of Jesus? I mean, sometimes people think of Jesus like a warm, friendly, kind, kind of harmless sissy, really, a bit like this picture. But what he's doing here takes guts See, Jesus isn't having a go at some poor minority group. Jesus is having a go at the people who held the power. Jesus saw they were fake and showy, and publicly he called them out on it. 
And that made them hate him and plot against him. And hypocritically, of course, they even joined with their enemies to murder Jesus. We might hate hypocrisy, but I doubt that we could ever hate it as much as Jesus hates it. I mean, I've never publicly called someone out on hypocrisy like he has. I've never called someone out on hypocrisy when it, when it could cost me anything, let alone my life. But Jesus does. It, it's a part of who he is, and it's a big part of what he's on about. Jesus hates religious and self-righteous show. I mean, see verse 28 up on the screen again. He hates that they care more about how they appear than the reality. Jesus wants people to be genuine. It's kind of like when you go to a supermarket and you buy an apple that just looks amazing. You know, the kind that I'm talking about, it's it's polished and buffed to perfection. It's red and rosy and it's just smiling up at you. And you buy the apple. And then sometime later you bite into the apple and instantly you know that there's something wrong, horribly wrong. It's soft and there's no crunch. It's been in cold storage since 1999. It's flowery and it tastes awful. And you're so furious at the apple's hypocrisy that you find yourself biting all the apples in the kilo that you bought just to confirm what you already know, that you've been deceived. You've bought a lie. All the apples are hypocrites. They appear good, but they're awful on the inside. Now, you can tell that this is a touchy subject for me. (laughs) I know I'm probably overreacting a bit. And of course, that doesn't even compare or come close to the kind of betrayal, the kind of rage that Jesus has against human hypocrisy, against appearing good, but faking it. Jesus wants us to be genuine. And that applies to me. It applies to all Christians. Jesus isn't happy with fake, showy Christians. And anyone who calls themselves a Christian needs to take this incredibly seriously. The Bible calls on us to get rid of hypocrisy. Like in 1 Peter 2 verse 1. Rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. But Jesus knows, and I think we know too, that not everyone who calls themselves a Christian really is one. I mean, have a look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There have been many people in history who've called themselves a Christian because it was convenient to get what they wanted. And there have been many people who have thought they were Christians but are actually just Christians in name only. Because being a Christian's got nothing to do with what country you're born in. It's got nothing to do with where you're born or how you're born at all. It's about being a genuine follower of Christ. And Jesus hates hypocrisy, but it's worth noting that he hates it not just in Christians. He hates it full stop. Jesus is on about being genuine, genuine before each other and genuine before God, no matter who we are. Now, to be honest, I think we like the idea of that. But the reality of it can make us feel uncomfortable. Because Jesus calls out all hypocrisy, all that's fake or showy or not real in all of us. Not just religious people, but everyone. God sees everything. 
every word we've ever spoken, every thought we've ever had. And God says he's going to call us all out on our hypocrisy. Now, that's exactly why the religious people of Jesus' day didn't like him. But there were some people who could cope with this. They could cope with the way that Jesus calls us out. The kind of people who didn't seem to be put off by Jesus were the ones who were prepared to be genuine, who didn't try to hide their obvious flaws, but knew them all too well. So when Jesus met Peter, Peter was just a rough fisherman. He wasn't fake or showy. And he was definitely someone who knew his flaws. Have a look at this passage. When Peter figured out who Jesus was, he fell at Jesus' knees in the boat and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus didn't say, no, 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 Peter, you're okay. You're a good guy, really. He didn't say that. But neither did Jesus go away. Instead, look at what Jesus says. Don't be afraid. And then he called Peter to follow him. Because that's what Jesus does. He wants us to be genuine with him. And that means we need to admit that we have a problem before God. It means admitting that we've let God down in unacceptable ways, that we're more like those apples than we want to be. We're not fully good on the inside, through and through. Just like Peter, we're not worthy of God. But people who are prepared to admit that, Jesus will never turn away from him. He doesn't reject them. I mean, you look at the life of Jesus. He accepted prostitutes and all sorts of broken people that everyone else in his society rejected. Not because he thought it was fine for them to be like that, but because he saw his role as being a doctor who had come to the sick. And these people, they were the ones who knew that there was a problem and knew that they needed his help. Whereas the fake And the showy religious people couldn't handle that idea. They couldn't see that they had their own problems. And so they refused to see that they were sick. And it was their hypocrisy that blinded them to their need for Jesus. And here is actually another key part of a Christian response to this answer, that the problem with Christianity is Christians. Our response is, yes, that's true. But it needs to be added that true Christians... True followers of Jesus have never denied and will never deny that we are deeply flawed and in desperate need of Jesus. Christians, if you like, are more like alcoholics than Rotary Club members. Church, this, is more like an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting than a Rotary Club meeting. Now, I've never actually been to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, but I have been to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. And it was eye-opening. I went with my sister. And there were broken people there, sitting in a circle in a dingy hall, some of them gaunt in their faces. And in many ways, my sister was not really like the others who were there. She was nowhere near as affected as they were. She didn't look like they looked. But in another way, she was worse off than them. Because the first step in Narcotics Anonymous is to admit that you have a problem. And my sister at that stage just wasn't ready to admit that. Christians are actually people who acknowledge that they have a problem. We don't claim to be perfect. 
We don't claim to be better than anyone else. In fact, we claim the opposite. We claim to be broken people. We claim to be recovering, yet relapsing sinners. Now, it's true that there are fantastic Christians in history and even around us today. Like last week, we mentioned William Wilberforce and the eradication of the slave trade. Christians have started hospitals and universities. They were initially behind things like Red Cross and World Vision. But despite all that, all true Christians admit that they've got a problem. They're broken. True Christians aren't pointing the finger at people out there. True Christians are pointing the finger at themselves, saying, God, you know I've stuffed up. Help. That's actually at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Not a perfect person, but a person who admits they've stuffed up. So if you've noticed that Christians stuff up, you're not the first one. God's noticed it, and if they're a true Christian, they've noticed it too. So in a way, Christians aren't hypocrites in one sense, because a hypocrite pretends to be something that they're not. Whereas a Christian claims to be someone who needs God's forgiveness, who needs his help. Now, it might surprise you to hear this, but good people don't go to heaven. Flawed, broken people who genuinely recognize that they've got a problem before God and who throw themselves on Jesus, they're the ones God will never reject. So the amazing thing about being a Christian is not that you become an amazing person or ever will be an amazing person in this life. The amazing thing about being a Christian is that Jesus sees me for who I am. Every detail, including the flaws, the weaknesses, the repeated failures, the selfishness, the pride, the lack of love, the complacency. Sees my apathy. He sees all that. And yet he claims me for himself. Dies for me takes my place and then says to me don't be afraid and calls me to follow him that's the amazing thing about being a christian the final thing i want to say as a response to this answer that the problem is christians is that you can't judge a bloke just by his friends that's exactly what the religious people did in jesus day they said look at him he's a friend of sinners and drunkards, and tax collectors. That's true, Christians have let Jesus down. But in a way, so what? That doesn't change the fact that Jesus was a fantastic bloke, that he hung out with alcoholics, the prostitutes, the ones the religious people hated. Jesus is the one person who cuts through all the religious rubbish. He's genuine. It might be true that people who claim to be followers of Jesus turn you off Christianity. But no matter how, it, how true it is that Christians fail, that doesn't make what Jesus said untrue. Jesus claims to be more than just a fantastic bloke. He claimed to be God. He claimed that you needed him as much as I needed him, as much as anyone needed him. You've got to judge him on what he says and does, 
not on what his followers say and do. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked into Jesus properly? I mean, the best way to start is to read his own bio- his biography, one of the Gospels. I don't think it's a comfortable experience, actually, because Jesus points out things about us that we probably would prefer not to see. But if we come to him genuinely, he'll never reject us. Maybe today you actually are ready to come to him genuinely. Like Peter, you're, you're ready to accept Jesus' help. Ready to accept that you need Jesus to die in your place and ready to be accepted by Jesus, flaws and all. And if that's the case, if that's you, in a minute I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk to God silently as I pray this prayer that you can see up on the screen. This is what I'm going to say. God, I've come to see that you want me to be genuine with you. And that means admitting that I've failed you. Forgive me. I need Jesus' death in my place just as much as anyone. Thank you that you see me for who I am. And despite my deep flaws, you call me to follow Jesus. Help me as I follow him. That's what I'm going to pray. If that's what you want to talk to God about as well, join with me silently. God, I've come to see that you want me to be genuine with you. And that means admitting that I've failed you. Forgive me. I need Jesus' death in my place just as much as anyone. Thank you that you see me for who I am. And despite my deep flaws, you call me to follow Jesus. Help me as I follow him. Amen.